first of all, I know Nicole sings a lot of great songs, but I think that's probably her best yeah. one that she sings. So well done. Well, well done. And Alan was okay too. Amen. So, so uh, I want to introduce everyone to uh, a young man who was baptized here last week. Gio, where are you? Gio, go ahead and stand up. All right. Yeah, hey. Gio just threw his hand up. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, all right. So thank you for standing up. Great guy. Great, great guy. Really excited for him. Certainly the singles. So there are seats up front. I know we have a few people standing. Um, Femi, come on up, bro. We got a seat for you. Come on. So we do have some seats. So I want to open our Bibles. Um, appreciate the worship service today. Have a lot going on in the region. I know we're uh, into now the summer months of the year. Uh, which is exciting, and we uh, did a, um, this couple weeks ago, the campus went down to Austin, and we did a minister and training um, group, and what it was, uh, we did it on the kings, so I did uh, my, uh, the lesson on Solomon to you, and which I did down there, theirs is a little bit longer, um, Yours, though, uh, I did not do this, is the, the division of the kingship. Uh, you had uh, Saul, then David, then Solomon, and then after Solomon, the kingdom split. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to bring some thoughts about that to this group here today. And I want to do is I want to help us think about tearing down the kingdom. Tearing down the house. Now, when you think of the term of house, like the house of David, it's the extended family. It's the, the father's home. So basically, it's the, during that time, it was the basic social unit of ancient Israel. It was their corporate identity to the point where even of lineage and dynasties were built and known as the house, like the, the house of Todd, Blake and Grant. If, if they have children. You know, you could have the, the house of Mike. You know, the house of whatever. It's, it's your identity. It's how you're known. And what I want to do is I want to talk about tearing down the house. Forty years of peace under Solomon. 120 years of a national identity. And during the 40 years of Solomon's reign, no wars, and literally the nation was so wealthy. It says in 2 Chronicles chapter 9 that the king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stone. Imagine you walking around and, you know, you see pennies on the ground. You're like, no big deal. But you walk down there and you see a five spot. It's like, you grab that baby. You just hit jackpot. You're, you're, you've made it. You see stones? It's like, it's silver. Just so much of it. It's just nothing. You know, if you combined the peak, well, actually, if you look at Solomon, Solomon was $2.2 trillion at his peak, peak net worth. When they, when they figured out the gold, the weight of the gold, all things coming in, they figured out he probably was about $2.2 trillion. Now, if you take Gates and Buffett and put them together, 
combined, they're $151 billion. $151 billion. You can't comprehend those kind of numbers. Solomon, $2.2 trillion. If you just kind of look at, you notice the, the zeros there? Buffett and Gates didn't even get to the point two. That's a lot of money. Things seem pretty good on the outside. But, you know, but's a big word. Easy. I'm only talking about one T. Look at 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 9. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning this time that he should not go after other gods, but, that, but he did not keep what the Lord commanded. Therefore, the Lord said to Solomon, since... This has been your practice. And you have not kept my covenant and my statutes that I've commanded you. I will surely tear the kingdom from you and give it to your servant. Yet for the sake of David, your father, I will not do it in your days, but I will tear it out of the hand of your son. However, I will not tear away all the kingdom, but I will give him one tribe to your son for the sake of David, my servant, for the sake of Jerusalem that I have chosen. You know, I want to look at two fundamentals of tearing down the house. Two fundamentals to tear down a family of faith. Two fundamentals even to tear down your own walk with God. And the first one you see is in Rehoboam. And that's the principle of foolishness, being a fool, a court jester. 1 Kings chapter 12 and verse 7, or verse 4, it says, and this is what was going on here, is that Solomon has died, the kingship goes up and, and meets all the people of Israel north of Jerusalem, about 40 miles north in Shechem. And now the people are talking to Solomon. And they say, your father, Solomon, made a yoke heavy. Now therefore, lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke on us, and we will serve you. And he said to them, go away for three days, then come again to me. So the people went away. Then the king, Robum, took counsel with the other old men who had stood before Solomon, his father, while he was yet alive, saying, how do you advise me to answer these people? And they said to him, if you will be a servant to this people today and serve them and speak good words to them, then your and when you answer them, then they will be your servants forever. Imagine this. Look at verse uh, 7 again. He goes, if you will be a servant to this people today and serve them and speak good words to them, when you answer them, they will be your servants forever. It's like you think about it, you look at this whole the situation here, is that this is a reasonable request. You know, the people were suffering, 
hard times. They were frustrated. The people needed help. They're here right now. They're listening. They're willing. You know, I tell you what, half the battle of leading is having people who are willing to be led. I'm here. I always get a big kick out of when someone challenges people that aren't in attendance to the people that are in attendance. Why do you, why do you address the people that are here? They're here right now. They're listening. Give me time to think. This is a big decision. Man, I'm the king now. 40 years old. What do I do? Give me some time to think. Let me get some advice. And you think about this, it's like, man, you know what? This is looking good. Not bad. Wise. So he gets some advice. And the old dudes who served with his father said, this is what we would say. We've been with Solomon. We, we saw the things that David did. We saw all the benefits that Solomon got. You know what? We've been with Solomon for whatever, 40 years. Peace, wealth, things are going well. You answer the people in this way, and they will serve you forever. Okay? Remember that big word? But. Let's keep on reading. 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 8. But he abandoned the counsel that the old men gave him and took counsel with young men who had grown up with him and stood with him. Remember, he was 40 years old. And he said to them, what do you advise that we answer this people who have said to me, lighten the yoke that your father put on us? And the young men who had grown up with him, said, Thus shall you speak to this people who said to you, Your father made our yoke heavy, but you lighten it for us. Thus you shall say, My little finger is thicker than my father's thigh, and now my father laid on you a heavy yoke. I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. But old men, seasoned, wise, four decades of peace. The young men grew up with this king, Rehoboam. You know, you kind of wonder after giving that advice, have these guys ever had a job? You know, did they just kind of like grow up with them in wealth and grow up with them, 40 years of peace, growing up with them, never had to go through hardship, growing up with them, and, and really never had to suffer and go through difficult times to learn how to grow in wisdom? And it says, but he abandoned the counsel of the old men. And see, what, what this king, Rehoboam, is known for is folly, being foolish. You know, it's interesting, earlier, as I said when I did my lesson on Solomon, is that one of the things that Solomon did was write pro part of what we consider Proverbs, the book of Proverbs now. And, and not that these Proverbs are attested to Solomon, but some are. Look at 
Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Chapter 12, verse 15. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Chapter 13, verse 19. A desired fulfilled is sweet to the soul, but to turn away from evil is an abomination to fools. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. You know the times I got in trouble the most? When I was with other fools. I was never by myself. I never got involved in something by myself. I was always surrounded by other people like me who are foolish, egging on, encouraging something. You know, it says Rehoboam went back to the people in chapter 12 and verse 13. And it says, the king answered the people harshly. And forsaking the counsel that the older men had given them, he spoke to them according to the counsel of the young men, saying, my father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. My father disciplined you with whips, but I will discipline you with scorpions. So the king did not listen. <sighs> you know, one of the things I don't want to be is a fool. I don't want to be foolish. I want to seek wisdom, knowledge, and instruction. I want to listen to advice and understand the need in the situation. I want to turn away from sin and foolishness. I want to learn how to walk with the wise and learn. Because, see, I've seen the way of the fool. You know, you think about how, how we are doing collectively as a group. You know, you sit here and, you're, you know, it's like, hey, I'm going to church. I have to go to church. It's Sunday. It's the right thing to do. And I sit in the lesson and I, I listen. Nicole does a great job. Alan does okay. It's a great worship service. And, you know, Mike does a good job. And, and, and okay, it's a great time. It's, 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 it's mid-June. It's nice outside. It's pleasant. We live in America, Texas. It's the greatest place in the world. It's where I should be. But it's like, does the, does the word penetrate my heart? I have all these things going. But does the word penetrate? Talking about tearing down your faith. Tearing down your family's faith. Tearing down the house. Foolishness. What decisions do we have? What things are before us that we need to be open about and get help with? Seriously. You know, it's so fun when I do lessons and, and, and I, all of a sudden it's like I see people's heads down or people looking around and it's like, you know what, this is foolishness. 
talking about foolishness is foolishness at church. And what did the Proverbs say? The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. You know, I don't care if I'm right. But I care what's right. I don't have to be right. But I want what's right. And so I'm going to open myself up. I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to be real. Tell me, what do you think? Many advisors make victory sure. I got to make this decision, that decision. I got to go here. I got to go there. What do you think? Because I want what's right. It's not about me or what I want. I don't want to be a fool. I want to be wise. So I make myself as open as I can because I don't want any secrets. And you just go over the, the Proverbs. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The turn away from evils and abomination of, of to fools. The companions of fools will suffer harm. And it said he spoke harshly to the people. We can have some, a lot of fun here about talking about how foolish we've been. So foolishness will tear down a household. Two is Jeroboam. Let's go back to 1 Kings chapter 11. Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, the Ephraimite of Zeredah, the son of, or servant of Solomon, whose mother's name was uh, Jura, a widow, was also lifted up his hand against the king. I love that. Who also lifted up his hand against the king. And this was the reason why he lifted up his hand against the king. Solomon built Milo and closed up the breach of the city of, his, of David, his father. The man, real uh, Jeroboam, was very able, and when Solomon saw that the young man was industrious, he gave him charge over all the forced labor of the house of Joseph. So you have this young guy, a servant of Solomon, son of a widow, he's talented, he's put in charge, and you remember earlier what we read, the, the, the prophecy about what was going to happen to Israel? And it says, since this has been your practice and you have not kept my covenant, I will surely tear the kingdom from you and give it to your servant. So this servant, Solomon knows about this guy, knows what's going to happen, and you find out about Solomon, what does he try to do? He tries to kill this guy. This is an able-bodied man who was talented, put in charge, and then went after his own master because his master was evil. And then you see something that happens. Keep on reading, verse 29. At that time, when Rehoboam went out to Jerusalem, the prophet uh, Ahijah, the uh, Shilonite, found him on the road. Now, Ahijah had dressed himself in a new garment, and the two of them were alone in the open country. Then Ahijah laid hold of the new garment that was on him and tore it into 12 pieces. 
And he said to Rehoboam, take for yourself ten pieces, for thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, behold, I'm about to tear the kingdom from the hand of Solomon and give it, give you ten tribes. So what's going on here is that this prophet goes up to the king, and let's keep on going in verse 37 real quick. And he goes, and I will take you, this is God now talking, and I will take you and you shall reign over all that your soul desires. You shall be king over Israel. And if you listen to all that I command you I, and walk in my ways and do what is right in my eyes by keeping my statutes and my commandments as David, my servant, did, I will be with you and will build you into a sure house as I have built for David and I will give Israel to you. So here's this, prompt, this, this, this prophet and then God's talking through the prophet, and God basically gives this king some great and precious promises. He goes, this is what I'm going to do to you. I will take you. I will be with you. I will build my house. I will give you Israel. I'm going to do all these things for you, just like my servant David. It's almost like Moses. It's almost like he's talking to Moses coming out of Egypt. He goes, this is what I'm going to do to you, Moses. David, this is what I'm going to do for you. And he gives these great and precious promises to this king. I'm going to split the kingdom. You're going to get ten. What would you do? How would you respond after receiving these great and precious promises. Just picture the situation. This is a, a man, single mom, working hard, trying to raise himself up, seeing all this evil going around him. King tries to get, kill him. He flees to Egypt. He hears the king dies. He comes back. The people are being oppressed. The people are asking for a reasonable response. Low, low, decrease our burden. He's a part of that, if you re go read the scripture. And then he's out there, a prophet comes up to him, he goes, this is what God says, this is what I'm going to do for you. Great and precious promises. I will be, I will do, I will, I'll take care of, I'll give you. Over and over and over and over. How would you respond? What would you do? I got a million dollars for you. I have a brand new car for you out front. I'm going to give you health the rest of your life until you die. Your kids are going to turn out this way. You're going to be able to do this at work. I'm going to be able to. Imagine how you'd walk away from a conversation like that. I mean, would you be fired up? I'd be fired up. You would think that, my goodness, you know, we hit this jackpot bag, the, the lotto that was won in California, like what, only $400 million? Heck with that. This is what God is going to do for me. Guys, if a prophet came up to you and said he was going to do all that for you, or her, I would hope you'd be so fired up and excited because of these great and precious promises. And, you know, we can talk about the great and precious promises that we've been given. But look how this king responds. 
Look at how this king responds to these great and precious promises. Chapter 12, verse 25. Then Jeroboam built Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim, because he's an Ephraimite, and lived there. And he went out from there and built Penel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, I love that, he said in his heart, now the kingdom will turn back to the house of David. If, that's that other big word, if, if this people go up to offer sacrifices to the temple of the Lord at Jerusalem, then the heart of the people will turn against their Lord, will turn again to their Lord, to Rehoboam, king of Judah. And they will kill me and return to Rehoboam, king of Judah. So the king took counsel and made two calves of gold and said to the people, you have gone to Jerusalem long enough. Behold your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And he set one in Bethel and the other in Dan. Then this thing became a sin for the people went as far as Dan to be before one. It just kind of picks the the, the scenario, a little bit of history. God says, you know what, I'm going to be with you in the temple in Jerusalem. This is where all of Israel needs to come to worship God. They have these different feasts. People from all over Israel come to Jerusalem. It'd be like, let's say, Dallas. The kingdom splits. This king says, you know what, I'm going to put a temple in Denton. And I'm going to put the other one up in Oklahoma City. And everybody north of Dallas is a part of Israel. And everybody south of maybe like Denton or or just south of Denton would be considered Judah. And that's where the split is. And this this king continues to sin. You keep on reading. We're not going to look at it. But he made temples on high places. He started appointing priests who were not Levites. He even created new holidays to keep the people from Judah. It says in verse 33, and he devised, that he devised from his own heart. And what's happening here? He says, if, if the people go up and sacrifice in the temple of God in Jerusalem, then the heart of the people will turn again to their Lord, and then they'll kill me. And he starts coming up with these elaborate ideas in his heart. And see what's happening to Jeroboam is that he's, which is the second destruction of a house, is he's starting to be controlled by fear. He's starting to become controlled by fear, to be afraid. Commonly, an experience of emotion reacting to terror, apprehension, including anxiety, dread, loss of courage in the face of an unpleasant or dangerous situation. Here this king, whose promise, I'm going to do this for you, becomes afraid. And he sets up a temple in Denton and another one in Oklahoma City. And he goes, you know what, so the people don't have to go so far to worship God. The people don't have to burden themselves with sacrifices. I'm going to make it really easy for you. Don't worry about holding on to the, the, the commandments of God. 
And why was he afraid? Why was he, fe was he fearful of God? Was he really fearful of the people? See, the bottom line is Jeroboam did not want to follow God's way. Jeroboam wanted to retain control of the people. It was all about him. All about Jeroboam. It was his way, not God's way. He feared losing control. And so he comes up with all these elaborate ideas to keep the people away from Jerusalem, even to the point where, okay, we have Easter, but we're not going to call it Easter up here. We're going to call it Easter's. And, and it's our own separate feast. And we're not going to have Christmas. We're just going to have Xmas. And you don't have to go all the way to Dallas to worship God. You've gone down to Dallas way too much and way too long. Don't burden yourself anymore. Look at these nice golden calves that I've created for you. Your gods who brought you out of Egypt. It's like, you know, for those who were theologians, you would think that they would have like, wait a second, someone else made golden calves. <laughs> and what happened to them? And, and what's going on here is that the bottom line is that he feared losing control more than he feared God. You know, Proverbs chapter 14 talks about fear. Verse 12 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end is the way to death. Chapter 21, in verse 2, every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. You know, control is such a slippery slope. <laughs> we want to control our relationships. We want to control the situation. We want to control our future, our health. We want, we want control. And let me just tell you, control is so comforting. It is. It's comforting. When you have control, you don't have to worry because you have control. First Kings chapter 13 Verse 33, it says, after this, or after this thing, Rehoboam did not turn from the evil way, his evil way, and made priests for the high places again from among all the people. Any who would, he ordained to be priests to the high places. And this thing became the sin of the house of Jeroboam, so as to cut it off and to destroy it from the face of the earth. I just love that. Any who would. It'd be like, guys, we're going to have a raffle. If you want to be a high priest to God, if you want to, come up to me. Now, it's going to cost you this, but any who would, any who would like to, any who would like to be a priest in these new temples, just come on up. If and but. If this people, but he abandoned. They're big words. Foolishness. Faithless words. You know, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, 
it would be Christmas all year long. You know, we think about the ifs in our lives, the buts in our life. But I can't do this. But what about this? Well, if this happens, or if that happens. Remember that scripture in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7 we looked at? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. What's the fundamentals of tearing down a house? Well, one, despised wisdom and instruction. The other feared the wrong thing. You know, so we're, we're, we're in our life here. We're, we're, we're trying to, to make it ahead. We're trying to keep ahead. We're trying to do what's right. And I get that. But do we despise wisdom and instruction? Help me with my marriage. Help me with my kids. 